We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! I'm Drew! That's up! Turns out we're only half back this week because Roth is the one on vacation now. And so I'm joined by the fantastic Andy Barons of Yahoo. Hello, Andy. Hello. It is good to join you again. I was like doing this good. pod because I know that the season is finally almost underway and I don't have to I don't have to go through the usual preseason bullshit anymore because I've I'm I'm past the pod with Drew. That's right. That's right. You don't have to hear any more reports about this guy's healthier than he's ever been. And that's <laughs> Andy is joining us for uh, what has been an annual tradition here at The Distraction. That's right. It's time once again for the Hater's Guide to the 2022 Fantasy Football Season. Hater's Guide! Andy is uh, from Yahoo, and he's going to uh, give us sort of the lowdown on every player, every major player involved uh, in fantasy football this season. Mostly the ones that I dislike. I want him to defend the ones that I dislike. But before we get to... Um, the top wideouts and backs and quarterbacks and all that shit. I wanted to ask you, Andy, how has your job as a fantasy football evaluator changed since the advent of daily fantasy? Like, have your bosses steered you more toward writing for daily fantasy players and not season-long players? Has there been really no sort of movement at all? It's, um, it's honestly, it's, I, I wish I had a better answer to this, but it's not, it's not really that different because the, the same things that you look for in a, in a daily fantasy matchup are the same things that we look for when we're making sit stark recommendations in, uh, in season long fantasy leagues. The only thing that you have to attach to it is some notion of, you know, how many people out there are actually going to be starting this guy, right? Like, is everybody going to be on, you know? Yeah. Who, whoever uh, in a given week. That's the only extra thing that you have to think about. You have to think about pricing a little bit. But in terms of actually projecting players, we care about the same things in daily fantasy that we do in, in season long. So it's not that different. It's just a couple of extra wrinkles to add in. You know, the thing that's really been... The thing that's really been unfortunate for me is that there is so much more and the biggest change in my job over the years, I was just thinking about this the other day, is that there's way too much information out there now. So it's hard It's hard to have any kind of information edge, right? Like the, the right. things that used, that used to sort of distinguish me um, no longer distinguish me, right? It's just all you need is like a Twitter feed and you can, you can follow the same sources that I do and have basically the same info. Because I can watch like a Texans preseason game and be like, oh my God, Damian Pierce, he's going to be... I'm going to draft him and no one's going to know. Everybody fucking knows who he is now. Who cares? <laughs> it's so annoying. I hate that. Can I, can I give I you, can I give you just a, an example of how badly I need the season to just get underway? I actually had a dream last night that Ooh. the, um, that the Cleveland Browns traded Kareem. This is a dream. Like my dream life. I had a dream that Kareem Hunt was <clears throat> traded to the Houston Texans and it displaced Damian Pierce. And so Yahoo put me on a fucking call center where people were just calling in <laughs> and berating me for the Damian <laughs> Pierce recommendation. I just, I just need the season to start. <laughs> that's like, that's the fantasy football equivalent of like when I have a dream that like the dishwasher broke, like the, just the most like, yes, <laughs> like the most boring, like everyday nightmare you could possibly have. Like, oh my, I need an oil change. And then I wake up like, oh, my car is fine. Like, oh, <laughs> what a relief. I just, you, I just need a dream life that does not involve Damian Pierce and Kareem Hunt and whoever else, right? Like, I need, I need, I need a dream life to be absent fantasy football. I mean, the one thing about daily fantasy, which I now prefer playing to season-long fantasy, is that, um, and you can, you can, uh, you can illuminate me on this. Uh, I am always uh, much more impacted by what's recently happened when I'm determining a daily fantasy lineup. And I think a lot of people are that way. And I can't tell whether or not 
um, that is the right thing to do or whether or not that's recency bias and I should still account for long view shit when I am choosing a lineup for just any given Sunday. Well, there's a thing that we do in daily and we do it in season long fantasy too, where like um, one week we might hype a player because we think that his upcoming matchup is outstanding, right? Like, yes, I, I don't, what's what's a good example of this? they're facing a team that's a, the worst run defense in the league. So we love this running back that we, you know, we, you wouldn't normally start him, but you're going to plug him in now. And then and then he has a big week. Right. And we get excited. But we said initially, OK, the reason you're playing this guy is because he's he's up against this terrible defense. And then we fall in love with him and we forget the reason that we recommended him in the first place. Right. And then we're like, right, oh, right. he's really good. We just got to play him um, from this point uh, forward. And then that that always goes badly. Right. If you, you forget the reason that you added the guy in the first place. Yeah, I, I, I have that problem when I play like DraftKings, because like anytime you're you're selecting a lineup or drafting a roster, you know, they, they have the opponent's ranking next to it, and you get a, a number that's either, you know, red or green, and I'm like, oh, he's, you know, like uh, uh, Lamar Jackson's playing a really good defense this week. That's the inside edge I need to, I need to not draft Lamar for, for this week. Forgetting that, you know, it's Lamar Jackson. He can be pretty good against yes. good Yes, often the, the winning lineups are those that, that have a couple of key contrarian plays in there, right? Where it's like, okay, well, yeah, bad matchup for Tom Brady, but it didn't matter because Tom Brady threw for 440 yards and four touchdowns because he's Tom frickin' Brady, right? Like, that happens all the time. Do you find that there has been any fan migration away from season long into daily, or is it mostly people playing both? I, I do have one season long league that I'm in, but really, I, if I if I could get rid of that, I would. But I but I, I don't. <laughs> uh, it's I, it's interesting that you bring that up. They uh, so I was at uh, this sounds like a terrible conference, but it actually has uh, Too late. a handful of interesting things to it. Uh, the fantasy sports gaming conference took place in Detroit not that long ago, and there's a data presentation Ooh. that was that was mostly really really good news for fantasy. Right? It was like this big sort of sweeping look at DFS and and uh, sports betting and and season long fantasy and all that. And everything is growing. Everything basically always grows in this space gambling thriving because because exactly because nobody gives up their fantasy leagues uh but there's you know some worry that things like sports betting and whatever else would would begin to cannibalize uh you know season-long fantasy and i think there is a little bit of it from you know just a a small number of people who are migrating from probably the the season-long fantasy leagues they didn't have a great attachment to right it's like the right if if you were just playing a handful of public leagues for money maybe you've moved that over to to dfs right um people people who play the the home league with like college friends work friends stuff like that they tend not to give them up like they you know fantasy is has grown over the years because no mostly because at least on the football side people don't people don't quit like it's it's easy to play it's really fun and it's a little bit of a social network so those sort of organically grown leagues, n- nobody leaves them. But um, I think there has been just a, a little bit of migration over to, to daily fantasy from, you know, people who may have been playing leagues in which they didn't have a deep personal attachment. Well, also, it's a pretty obvious fact that your average gambler um, is not going to, like, limit uh, their opportunities to gamble, right? They're, they're only going <laughs> to expand it. They're not yes. going to be like, well... You know, if I, you know, I, I can't play poker since I'm playing so much blackjack. They'll play it all. Like, they're, they're really not afraid to do that. So let's talk about uh, players specifically. Uh, we're going to start with running back. I still resent that running back is the most important position in fantasy, but it is what it is. Do you ever see a time 
when that changes without like odd like individual league rules like to make it so that receivers or quarterbacks matter more? It, it would take a fundamental scoring change in fantasy, right? We'd have to okay. we'd have to begin to de-emphasize. Like, even though the league has become pass crazy, right? And it's the the rules over time have become super friendly to quarterbacks and receivers. That, that you know, running backs are allowed to catch passes too. And there's there's nothing that happens in fantasy that treats a reception for a running back any differently than we treat a reception for a receiver. Like I don't. I don't I don't love PPR leagues. I understand why they formed in the first place, because the right. tyr- the tyranny of running backs was so great. Right. Like we were just first round, second round. Everybody was drafting running backs. It got a little boring if you couldn't. And get there's Emmett only Smith. so many of them. Yeah, there's yeah. only so many of them. Like nobody wants to take Troy frickin Hambrick in the first round. Nobody wanted to take Deuce Staley yeah. in the first round, but we had to do it. It fucking sucks. Right. Right. But but we had to do it. It got really boring. Um, but then the game just sort of fixed all that. Right. And and passing became, you know, the, the way that you win games. Now, unfortunately, the best running backs are catching 80 or 90 passes and they're just as valuable as they were before. But I do think the thing that people need to realize about the running back spot is like last year, great as Jonathan Taylor was, and he was probably a fantasy MVP along with Cooper Cup. Um, the, the, the most important running back in fantasy football in the most important weeks was Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, um, final five games. Who's of the always season. hurt. Right. Always hurt, except for the final five games last year when you needed him most. He rushed for over 690 yards. Um, It's actually I was just looking at this. It's roughly 40 percent of his career output was in five games in the 2021 season um, at the exact moment that fantasy managers needed it desperately. Right. So like he was the key guy to him and like Amon Ross St. Brown, the key players to own. So the thing about running back is you don't. Yeah, we prioritize it because if you had Jonathan Taylor last year, it was like a golden ticket to the fantasy playoffs, whatever. But there's always a running back. We, uh, uh, Jerome Harrison in 2009, Damian Williams in what was it, 2018, 2019, something like that, right? So like much good guy remembering your There's always a dude. There's always a dude that you pick up in December and he gives you six touchdowns. And it's like, why did I waste all those early picks on running backs when I could have just had Rashad Penny, right? Like, But then you got you to gotta know your league and you got to be confident that you're going to be the person who's going to pick that guy up but they're available any time of year is i guess that's a very long way to say that the the other thing is that a lot of that is sort of dumb luck rather than like fantasy savvy like the the thing about fantasy true to its name is that it gives me the illusion that you know i I, you know i know more about football than other people in the league (laughs) but i you know you can't really know that rashad penny is gonna fucking go off in the month of december before you go pick him up stuff like like that happens ever like a couple years ago um when i remember when when Dak suffered the the leg injury that was horrific he was yes. clearly going to be the right answer in fantasy right like if you drafted yeah. Dak Prescott you fucking nailed it right like he was so good first four games 400 yards every week absolutely every three four touchdowns he was going to be the MVP he was the right answer and then you checked out for the season and then you're done and that I'm, I guess I'm I'm building the case for DFS right now right like that's that's why you're, people you're. that's why people want to pivot to DFS because they don't have to like you know yes I got everything right I got the biggest thing in fantasy right and it didn't matter yeah yeah I don't I I, I don't like I, I need the instant gratification I don't like being fucked over when, you know when all of a sudden the guy drafted in the first round uh, goes down so like while we're talking about backs I want you to give me a reason to like any of the following players, all right? We'll take them one at a time. They are highly ranked in various rankings. I'm not going to go by, I'm not going to take one as gospel over the other, but we'll start with uh, a guy who's always at the top of draft boards, but who is always hurt, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Give me a case for Christian McCaffrey actually being 
worth a shit all season long this year when he has no coach and he has no quarterback? Um, first of all, maybe the best reason for you in particular to take Christian McCaffrey is that if he does get hurt, you just say goodbye to that league and you have to think about it again, right? Like That's he was, true. It does me a favor. Like, oh, oh, you win, guys. Oh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, either, so I'm either the prohibitive favorite every week or I can just I can just forget the league, launch it, don't care about it, um, and abandon that team, right? Like it, you're going to have one of those two outcomes. He's either going to catch 110 passes and absolutely every week he's giving you 25 to 30 fantasy points and you win. Uh, or he's going to go down with a hamstring injury that lingers all season. And when he comes back, he gets an ankle injury and then he's out for another four weeks. It, like you're, you're just, you, you give up on that team because it is really difficult to replace Christian McCaffrey. And there's not another player like him on, on the Panthers roster, right? Like they, there's no yeah. one for one replacement for him. So he's like, he's on that short list of guys where if they just go down, you're just, you, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a struggle because there's absolutely no potential to replace him. But well, I mean, the other thing is yeah, go ahead. The other thing is he's he's one of those running backs where he's one of those fantasy backs where he is the offense. There's no other offense. So you're like, oh my God, this guy, like it's you know, it's a blessing and a curse because you're like, oh my God, this guy's gonna get 40 touches a game because they have no one else to give the ball to. That's fucking great. But he's gonna be playing in an offense that's gonna rank like 89th in the league. So <laughs> it's so it's like, does it mat does volume is volume gonna matter if you're playing in an absolute shit offense? Um, it matters for him because he's great and because his role is is what it is. But it's, you know, we, we see these occasional seasons. Um, I don't remember which year it was that, like, Maurice Jones-Drew led the league in rushing and was an absolute, mo- like, 2,000 yeah, scrimmage yards. Yeah, he was he, good. He was a crazy percentage of Jacksonville's offense. Like, like approaching 50% of the total yards that they gained, right? Like, 40% or something like that. Just a wild season. Um, and that'll, that'll happen like once or twice a year, but it is not the norm and you have to be a, 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 like a, a totally unique player, um, in order to pull that off. McCaffrey is of that quality. I guess the, you know, another thing I could say about McCaffrey is that he's not like Saquon Barkley in that there's not, there hasn't been some catastrophic injury out there that we should really worry about. Like with, maybe you were going to ask about Barkley later, but with Barkley, I have a knee injury out there that was so significant and he was so bad last year. Like he, the first guy who touched Saquon Barkley last year always tackled him, right? Like he just has no breakaway ability. Um, Maybe like, I hope not, but maybe that's a permanent thing. Um, there's no, there's no single injury that has occurred with Christian McCaffrey that makes me worry like that. Like he hasn't had a a knee rebuilt. He hasn't had an Achilles injury or something like that. So I don't, I don't have that to worry about. It's been a hamstring. Like anybody can strain a hamstring. Um, it's been an ankle. Anybody can sprain an ankle. Like he's, he's fine right now is the thing. I don't, I don't have any health worry. I don't have any, is this a fundamentally different player worry with Christian McCaffrey? We just need him to stay healthy. Uh, don't you worry, though, that, you know, he's been around long enough where he's approaching the running back cliff that they all hit? Yeah, it's it's funny. We used to talk about that as age 30, and now we almost need to talk about it as their second contract, right? Because you'd be, oh, shit, you, yeah. like, it's only the dumb owners that give uh, that give huge deals to, to running backs on their on their second contract. Um, it's it's Jerry Jones and almost no one else, really. Um, is that ha- is that true, though? Because I feel like. Every back still gets like Derrick Henry got a second contract. Dalvin well, Cook got a second okay, contract. But Derrick Henry was the offense, right? Like, the, yes, like he if you, still if is. Built the enti- you've built the entire thing around Derrick Henry. Like, the, you know, so I, I get that. He's also, 
he's also a pretty unique player. Like there's a there's a short list of like four or five guys that really make a difference and the rest of the running backs are and maybe maybe four or five is too few. Maybe it's more than that. But then the rest of the guys are, you know, it's this sort of running backs are fungible and we just need to some, find somebody who has who clears all the athletic benchmarks and we can play that guy and we're going to be fine. Um, and then there's a there's a small collection of guys who probably deserve significant deals. I don't know that they deserve deals on the on the level of like Zeke Elliott's, which is just going to hamstring that team for a while. But whatever. Right. Like you, you probably like you'd rather err on the side of not signing the 26 year old running back to a four year deal. at significant money. Um, it, it is probably I, this is a really long way of saying that it's not age 30 anymore. You know, if they have a significant injury, it can be age 24. I don't know why. Like, the, I mean, I do know know why the Panthers did it but like a couple years ago the Panthers gave Christian McCaffrey over 400 touches in a completely lost season right like they wanted to get him the thousand thousand year yeah, and that was yeah, super yeah. fun they wanted to give him the record. but man they piled up the they piled up the the workload well that's the thing is that I wanted to agree with you that like some running backs are special and you know sort of deserve the big contract and Derrick Henry would be sort of the exemplar of that then again Titans haven't won a Super Bowl with them as a centerpiece of the offense. Mm-hmm. They're not going to. And so, to me, it's something that it sounds like, like, um, like a no-brainer to give Derrick Henry all the money in the world. He's, he's a Hall of Famer already. And yet, I can't help but think that a smart team would be able to resist that and say, you know what? No, we need... We we can't be like this and and win a championship. Well, not, a smart team, a smart team in the year twenty twenty one might have reasonably said, "Hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna build an offense that is centered around giving one guy three hundred and sixty carries, right? Like, we're right? Gonna, we're gonna be a dynamic passing off. Oh, we've got AJ Brown. Let's throw the ball to AJ Brown one hundred and eighty times. Like they might have said that. Um, the the Titans, by the way, are gonna be like the Titans of last season are gonna be a crazy trivia answer someday because they actually had home field advantage in the AFC, um, which is wild, right? Like they were yeah, and blew it. Yeah. They blew it with the worst two minute drill I've ever fucking seen. I yeah. swear to God. I can't wait to write about it. Also, it shout so out to Derrick Henry for finishing top ten in rushing in a year in which he played eight games. That's that's amazing. That's right. That's right. Uh what about Dalvin Cook? He's um to me he's sort of the same deal as McCaffrey where He's a good run pass threat. He also has a new coach who's going to use him probably pretty well. But uh, he's good for losing three to four games every year. Or I'm not saying losing them, missing three to four games every year. Is he worth being uh, a top five pick? Unlike with, well, I haven't taken him in the top five, but that, but part of the top reason, 10. part of the reason I haven't taken him in the top five is that I am also super enthusiastic for uh, a different Viking, Justin Jefferson, right? Like I take Justin Jefferson right. early, and that that tends right. to nudge these these other running backs out of the way. Um, I'm I'm really excited, and I, you probably don't want to hear this. Uh, you probably just want me to uh, be hateful, spiteful toward the Vikings, but I'm really excited about the Vikings offense under Kevin O'Connell. It's like. I mean, they're just going from kind of a, a anachronistic um, offense as it was played 25 years ago um, yes. to to like a real 21st century offense. Like, no, no, no. I I agree with that. I'm not I'm not fatalistic about that. Yeah, I feel like the, people are having they, their minds blown by seeing 11 personnel on the field in Minnesota. That's wow. Yeah. We can put three receivers out there simultaneously. Are you shitting me? Like, I yeah. So that's really exciting. They're moving Jefferson around. They're moving Cook all over the place. That's really fun. Um, I, I think he is definitely a top 10 pick. And the, the nice thing about Cook, unlike McCaffrey, 
there is, you, you know, Alexander Madison isn't like 100% of Dalvin Cook, but maybe he's 90% of Dalvin Cook, 95. Um, that's really good. So there is kind of a one-for-one replacement. There is a guy that we know you just plug in. So you, you probably have to prioritize. And I'm not, I'm not super big on drafting the backup to every running back that you take in the first or second round, because again, some of them don't have direct replacements. But Handcuffing, as it's called. Yes, Madison is that guy for Dalvin Cook. So we know how to plug that hole. When it, he is when it to develops. an extent. However, I do have to note that they drafted Ty Chandler in the fifth round. He was very impressive in his first preseason game. They also have Kenny Wongwu behind, um, behind Madison, and that guy is a fucking blazer. And if anyone's going yeah, to yeah. do something interesting with him, it's going to be Kevin O'Connell. And I did not think Dalvin Cook was actually all that good last year. I remember you were saying that um, – uh, who's the back you are talking about who always got tackled? Like the first, oh, it was Saquon. Saquon. Of course yeah. it was Saquon, because yeah. Saquon sucks. But Cook was the exact same way. Anytime he caught a pass out of the backfield, forget it. He wasn't mm. shaking any tackles. And so I have a memory of that. And I can pin that on Mike Zimmer and fucking Kubiak's kid all I like. But, you know, like <laughs> it, it, Cook was making moves in that same kind of offense a year, a year prior that I don't think he was making last year. And that concerns me. A little bit. Yeah, I should also say I've got Cook as like my number six running back. I don't have him immediately after Taylor and McCaffrey. So it's not. Who, who are your top five? I assume you have Taylor first. Yeah, I have Taylor, McCaffrey, Eckler, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's so hard because like he, he was catching a few more passes than than before last year. He was probably going to set a career high in receptions, but it is not it is not anything they do. Like they don't they're not nope. trying to feed the running back 50 catches a year, you know, 60 catches a year. And it's a problem for Derrick Henry because it basically means he has to run for 1800 yards, which he can do. Um but you got to like you got to plug him in somewhere. He can't fall. He can only fall so far because he's been an absolute league winner before. Um so I've got Henry and then, I've, and then I've got Najee Harris, who led the league in touches last year. He's healthy right now. I don't know what that's going to look like with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, but I also don't know right. that it's going to be any worse than it was with the last year's version of Ben Roethlisberger, right? So I'm I'm super bullish on on Harris as well. And then I have Cook. Our own uh, our own Kalen Kaler made a bet uh, with Barry Pacheski at Defector that um, Trubisky would not be the starter for Pittsburgh in Week One, and. Uh, Barry's been sort of holding it over her all, all offseason long, like, ah, Mitch is going to be the starter. Ah. And I actually, I don't actually believe that. I, I think the Kalen will end up being proven correct because I think they'll want Kenny Pickett in there as soon as possible. And there's no reason to believe that it may as well be week one because what are you going to do with Mitch Trubisky there for the month of September? It's not going to do anybody any good. Yeah, the, the one thing that I, I think will be irresistible there is like eventually Mitch is going to string together a couple of games where the locals are going to be like, wow, we would have won that game if not for the three mistakes that Mitch <laughs> made. Right. And like when that happens, I have to imagine that given Kenny Pickett's history with the city, the, the pressure is going to be not not that Mike Tomlin is going to is going to bow to pressure necessarily. Um, but wow, the, the cries for Kenny Pickett are really going to be something. I don't uh, know if he's any I, good, by the way. I don't know that Kenny Pickett is any good. Like, I don't, I, you know, I. Oh, I, I think it's. I think it's entirely possible he blows. Yeah, I, I. I just remember watching film of him coming into the draft, and everything I watched, I was like, "Shit, Jordan Addison is really good." Like, you, the only guy who popped was really the the uh, the receiver who left the school uh, after after last season, right? Like, that to me was that to me was the most notable thing about Kenny Pickett's tape was how great his his number one receiver was. What about Nick Chubb, who is like a fantastic back, maybe the most talented back in the league, but he is in this completely weird situation. Uh, and weird is, is too euphemistic to say, because he's got Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. 
uh, which would normally be a healthy thing. But Watson is suspended right now for six games. That will probably go longer. And so his quarterback to open the season would be Jacoby Brissett or like Jimmy Garoppolo or someone that they bring in. And we don't know how long he will be without Deshaun and then what he would look like with Deshaun. So what do I, how do I grade Nick Chubb? Well, it's not like Nick Chubb hasn't been in a backfield with a, with a, shitty quarterback before right so like we've yeah, we've seen true. this we know what the Brissett weeks are going to look like and they're going to try to feed Chubb as much as possible and he he to me is also one of those guys he's like I don't I don't want to ins- I was going to call him like the Kirkland signature version of Derrick Henry right but he's better than that he's a really really good back he's like at five yards per carry every season but he's kind of well, got Kirkland makes fine products they so do, that's okay do make fine products he's um yeah no uh, insult intended to Kirkland signature brand um but he's um, Costco will sue you sir He's 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 really good. He he's not going to catch passes, right? They they have not they yeah. have not thrown to their backs a great deal. They have Kareem Hunt technically for that, but Kareem Hunt may want to get traded. Um, he does want to get traded. Yes. Nick Chubb like should win a rushing title someday. It's kind of wild that he doesn't have one already because he's that good. Um, Nick Chubb is a is a joy to watch. Um, again, he's not going to catch forty passes, which is a which is a huge problem um, because most leagues now are either PPR or half PPR. And so that's that's just a lot of points that he's not collecting for you. But he can, you know, they, they love him in goal-to-go situations. They're going to try to feed him. You know, ideally, if he holds up, they're going to give him 300 touches. And there's just not many of those guys out there. So I, I do like Chubb, and I like him that much more when they get a competent quarterback at the end of the season. I saw DeAndre Swift in the top 10 of one rankings, which seemed, whoever was making those rankings seems to have forgotten that the Lions haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since Reggie Bush. So why should I believe in DeAndre Swift at all? Yeah, I have him I have him outside of my top 10. He is a very format-dependent player. I, I would understand taking him as a top 10 back in like a full PPR setting because um, he was on pace before he got hurt last year. He's on pace to catch basically 90 passes, right? Like that's, that's crazy. The, a couple things that I do worry about with him are that number one, Jamal Williams, definitely going to have a role. They love Jamal Williams. He's like the heartbeat of that team. I don't know. People are watching hard knocks. Like he's that guy. He's super fun. Um, and, and they're just going to give him a role. And number two, Amon Ross St. Brown broke out in a way late last season that I don't think you can just shelve, right? Like, I don't think you can. Yeah, no, he's a stud. He's good. Yeah, absolute stud. And they were doing really fun stuff with him. They weren't like doing all the Debo things with him, but he wasn't just a slot receiver for that team. They'd throw him in the backfield. They'd split him out wide. They'd have him in the slot. Like they were doing a lot of really fun stuff with him. And it's, it seems realistic to me that some of the some of the targets that were going uh, Swift's way, which, you know, like seven, eight, nine a game, some of that has to go to St. Brown because he was just too good and he was too good no matter where you put him. So I feel well, like that's the loses. other thing. That's the oh. other thing that might alter the fantasy landscape is are people like St. Brown and Devo where coaches are realizing that if they make the jet sweep like a more sort of consistent part of their offense, they get a lot of bang for their buck out of it, yeah. particularly when it's someone as talented as Debo. And I, I just, I, you know, I, I know it's a copycat league. And, you know, maybe it'll go the other way at some point down the line. But I could see more wideouts rushing, not just Cordero Patterson, but, like, I could see that 
happening more often. I, I will say there are forward. there are not many guys who are who are built for it like Debo, right? And Debo himself yeah. seems like he didn't actually really appreciate it, right? He was yeah, willing he to do it last it. year, but he's not that happy with it because nobody. You see the way guys get paid. You should want to be a wide receiver and not a running back, right? Like so, I don't think he yep. wants to do that. And they had to put incentives in his contract uh, to make him happy if they had to give him you know fifty carries again or whatever. But Debo also strikes me as the kind of player. Um, he's totally dissimilar um, to Deshaun Jackson, but like for years we would always say, Oh, so-and-so is the next Deshaun Jackson, right? John Ross, look out. He's the next Deshaun Jackson. Um, Henry Ruggs, watch out next Deshaun Jackson. There's always a next Deshaun Jackson. It turned out there was one, there was exactly one Deshaun Jackson. Nobody else did that stuff. Um, And I wonder if Deshaun's a hall of famer. I wonder. Oh wow! Under <laughs> under different circumstances, if his if so, like if he had attached himself to Tampa Bay late in his career and had a Super Bowl and made a play in the Super Bowl, I could see it. Um, I doubt I doubt he gets there otherwise. But he totally unique talent in his in his era. He did attach himself to Tampa Bay at the end of his career, just the wrong Tampa Bay. Like, you know, he was, <laughs> yeah. I'll, and and wait till um you know we haven't even gotten to the is Antonio Brown in the Hall of Fame uh, discourse. It's going to be like really shitty for for well for a good he, many years. Like, he should obviously be in the Hall of Fame. Like there's just there's just no question he should be in the Hall of Fame, right? Like just on talent, um uh, yeah. on on production. He won't feel good. <laughs> won't feel good at all. But why why do we have a Hall of Fame if you're not going to put the actual best players of their era in it? This is true. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with Andy Barons. And we're back with Andy Barons of Yahoo going through the fantasy season in the NFL 2022. Let's move on to wideouts. Uh, Andy, can I expect the same production that I always get out of Stephon Diggs, or is he on the cusp of an inevitable decline? Or is it hard to tell because he's in this offense that is just chock full of studs, and you can draft any of those guys and be happy, but it's not going to necessarily be consistent production because one guy's going to get more to eat one week than the other because they just have to spread it around so much. Now, Diggs is Diggs is the clear number one there, and he's he's the one. There's a lot there, especially within fantasy circles. There's a ton of buzz about Gabe Davis, but Gabe Davis yes. isn't. He's not anything like Stephon Diggs. Like Davis is a good player, um, great in a secondary role. They they look to him in in the red zone a bit, but like Diggs is a technician. Diggs is a line him up anywhere, wins off the snap of the football, great separator. Gabe Davis isn't like an elite sep. He's not really, I don't know if he's like elite at anything. He's just tied to a fantastic offense. Um, yes. Diggs is the, is the clear number one. Like they would love to give Stefan Diggs 150 targets. I actually, he like at various points in the season, people would complain about, uh, you know, fantasy managers are just like, they, they have ridiculous standards, right? So like yep. people were complaining about Stefan Diggs sometimes last year. And some of it was just like, Buffalo had some shitty weather, right? Like they had they had two three games where like nobody was going to be massively productive. Um, that man, if any team needs a dome, it's probably the Bills with like Josh Allen and this crew. Um, and, and and like I don't know, there were a couple games that could have gone differently, but he still had a great year. It wasn't 
he wasn't Cooper Cup, which, you know, maybe if you drafted Stefan Diggs last year, you were super annoyed that he wasn't Jeff- Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup, but he had a great year. Um, it is well within the range of outcomes for Stefan Diggs to lead the league in receptions. That's a total possibility. He's not, you know, receivers age a bit differently than running backs, obviously, not the same wear and tear issues. There's no, again, there's no like catastrophic injury out there for Stefan Diggs. So I would expect him to, like, I've got him, I, I've got him as my wide receiver four right now. I can see an easy case to, well, I can't see a case to take him in the top three. I think there's a pretty clear top three, but he's is, great. Uh, who is, who's your top? Is it Jefferson or is it uh, Cooper Cup? It's Jefferson. Um, okay. And I, and that's, I mean, I just love it. I love him. Uh, I, lo- I love the offense. I love what I think the offense is going to be. I feel like the the league's first 2,000 yard receivers probably in the league right now, right? We've got a 17 game schedule and all that. And I, I'd I mean, bet. Cup was almost there a year ago, so nearly there sense. a year ago, and I'd I'd bet on Jefferson. I mean, I just I the the nature of this offense and the the I, the notion that they're gonna like I lo- I just love and I I shouldn't put too much into like what players say and what reporters say in the preseason. I feel like I've learned that a million times. I love the enthusiasm from Jefferson about this offense, right? I I love hearing him say that now he understands why Cooper Cup was always open last year, right? Like I yeah I love everything that is falling out of his mouth. And yeah, it's it's hard to dislike Justin Jefferson in any way. He's just a fucking great guy. I do have to remind you of who's throwing him the football, though. I do have to remind you. I, I know, but like we don't have to. I'm not telling you you got to draft Kirk Cousins, although, you know, that guy's <laughs> had like a 4,800, 4,900 yard season. I, but he can clearly feed multiple guys who are fantasy stars. And that's really all we need. Like I don't in fantasy, I don't have to worry about, uh oh, it's it's Monday night and the spotlight's on Kirk and it's December and they need this. I don't have to worry about any of that shit. I just need Justin Jefferson to catch, you know, eight balls for 140 yards and two touchdowns. And Kirk can definitely feed that. Uh, we have a lot of prominent wideouts who have changed teams. I want to ask you how that will impact their production. We'll start first with the guy who I think is probably the best wideout in football, and that's Devontae Adams. He goes from having Aaron Rodgers throw him the football to Derek Carr. And, you know, like in terms of fantasy, that's not really that big of a downgrade, but we, it is the Raiders we're talking about, and it is Josh McCown we're talking about, and the Patriots' offense was always the world's most unreliable fantasy offense in the universe. So, uh, where do you where are you going to put Devonte Adams this season? Yeah, he's. I mean, Devonte. If we were just redrafting the league um, from scratch for real life purposes, uh, Devonte would probably be like my number two receiver. But he's number six on on my board for fantasies, just behind Diggs and Lamb. Um, but like we've also learned in the last few seasons with DeAndre Hopkins, we've learned it with uh, uh, Stephon Diggs a couple years ago. Like we're seeing elite receivers change teams. And it elevates the offense and they do just fine. Right. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned with Adams. Plus, he like he chose this like he definitely could have stayed and gotten the same deal. Green Bay been with Aaron Rodgers. And he was like, no, I want to go to my college quarterback. I want to go to Derek Carr. I want to you know, I want to be in Vegas. I want to be part of that. And there's also obviously he played uh, collegiately with Carr, so there's there's pre-existing rapport there, a lot of chemistry there. We don't have to worry about any of that. That I think the greatest concern here is that you know one of the fun things that Green Bay used to do is and and presumably will still do is they would put anybody in the slot, right? Like they'd move Devonte around. Like Devonte got a ton of targets. I think he was top ten in targets last year out of the slot. But they would also put Lazard there, and obviously Randall Cobb spent time. Like they just put anybody there. And the, I don't think McDaniels is going to do that. Like Jacoby Myers was the slot receiver uh, last year in New England and, you know, Welker, 
Edelman, Amandu- like they have a slot right. receiver and that guy lives in the slot and that is going to be Hunter Renfro uh, for Vegas because like you wouldn't put Hunter Renfro outside and tell him to go do work, right? Like, and he's good at right. he's, he's good in the slot role. Um, so, so Adams is probably going to be pinned out wide, um, which is a little bit of a limiting factor. It's harder to, you know, it's harder to, not that we care about Devontae Adams trying to duck great corners or anything like that, but he's not quite, he's probably not going to be quite the movable chess piece that he was in Green Bay, but he's so good. Um, and he's such a great separate. And the, the, the best thing about adding him to this offense is I assume that they are going to run some of the, you know, inside the 10 stuff that Green Bay was doing with Devontae Adams. And we have a real chance here for like, the, the Raiders offense to be to be really good for Derek Carr and to be really, you know, pass heavy when they get in the red zone instead of just let's let's plow Josh Jacobs into the line a couple times and see what happens. There are two trickier examples that I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, the first one would be Tyreek Hill, because that is a much more pronounced downgrade for him in terms of who's throwing him the football. He's got a quarterback who may not even finish the season starting there in Miami. So are you as bullish on Tyreek Hill as you would be uh, on Devontae Adams moving teams? Yeah, no. Uh, no, I'm certainly okay. not. I, <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's uh, it's perfectly clear to me that Derek Carr is, uh, you know, a, 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 at worst, a league average starter. Whatever, yes. you know, like he's not he's not worse than that. I don't think anybody would suggest otherwise. He's been to he's been yeah. to Pro Bowls. He's, uh, you know, that guy plays every week like he's he's fine. He can support an absolute star wide receiver. We we don't yet know that that Tua can do that. We also don't know that they that they don't want to be a run first team, right? It's uh, there's a different Mike McDaniel there, and they're gonna you know it comes from the Shanahan tree, and who's to say they all they've done is acquire you know in addition to the making the splash uh, move for Tyreek, they have really added running backs in the in the off season. They bring in Mostert, they bring in Sony Michelle, they bring in Chase Edmonds. Like they are ready to run the ball. Uh, 30 times a game. I think they would like well, to do that. Well, they might run Tyreek, too, because Mike McDaniel was the guy who put Debo all over yes. the field and had him running jet sweeps over and over. I mean, I think Tyreek Tyreek's is, a different player, though. I think Tyreek is great. He's one of the few guys in the league that has ha, like has track speed, right? He's he, he can get away with things that other receivers can't get away with. He's great on short stuff. He's great on deep stuff. This is as big a, uh, a downgrade in terms of quarterback quality as, as any that we've seen. I don't even think Tua is necessarily bad but um neither do know. i i i think he could could be good i, I really do but like, Mahomes, I the Mahomes is obviously him, super so. inventive spectacular yeah capable, yeah, capable yeah. of ridiculous things can throw the ball 70 yards and these are not things that anybody would say about Tua like maybe Tua can direct a competent offense that's about as far as I would go on Tua um and that like you have to downgrade Tyreek I mean he's he should he should probably go in that wide receiver 10 to 12 range and I've I've not I've not seen anybody enthusiastically draft him what about A.J. Brown? Is that the same deal or is it a little bit different? Well, the thing with A.J. Brown is he wasn't getting enough targets in Tennessee, right? Like, sure I mean, wasn't. You would have projected him for like 100, 105 targets. And he's he's so good that he can do a lot with that, right? He can catch, you know, he give him 100 targets. He can catch 68 of them for 1,000 yards and 10 scores. And and it, it seems like a miracle, right? Um, and, and he's probably... Like he could actually get a little a little bit of an upgrade here. He's he's not joining, you know, j- j- uh, to, to put it kindly, I guess the jury is still out on Jalen Hurts as a passer. Or we could we, we could probably also say that the jury has returned and he's just not a very good passer and maybe he won't be. Um, but like these guys also wanted to play with each other. So that 
counts a little bit. Hertz is at least very young still and, and perhaps still ascending. So I'm in, I'm somewhat enthusiastic there. A lot of glowing camp reports on, on Brown. Like if Brown just gets 120, 125 targets, that doesn't feel like too much to ask. I, I would think that uh, they'll, they'll come out this season trying to at least be balanced. You know, they became an extremely run-focused, run-heavy team late last year. Yeah, they were year. fucking Air Force a year ago. Because they just couldn't, like, the receivers were terrible, right? Like, this. Yep. Think, think about replacing the targets that were going to Jalen Rager with, with now with targets for A.J. Brown. That's pretty special. That's pretty awesome. It's almost like the the Vegas thing where they're like, okay, we're not going to throw to Zay Jones anymore. We're going to throw to Devontae. That's, that's pretty huge. That's pretty great. Um, but the receivers were terrible, and, you know, Hertz is a little bit scattershot. I would expect them to come out and at least try to run a balanced offense this year instead of just, you know, everybody's running all the time. Let's go to Green Bay uh, because obviously Devontae isn't there anymore. And so Green Bay attempted to fill the void essentially with rookies. They've got uh, Romeo Dobbs. They've got Christian Watson. And already Aaron Rodgers is saying that, you know, those guys were struggling, have been struggling in camp, even though Dobbs has looked good in certain uh, areas and stuff like that. Do you see any, you know, clear wide receiver one emerging in Green Bay, you know, at, you know, at least within the first two months of the season, or is it going to take more time than that? Alan Lazard has been the guy that I'm, that I'm drafting. Um, and I've got him as a, you know, I've ranked him as a wide receiver three. I've got him in the low thirties among my wide receivers, which is not really right. an enthusiastic endorsement. It's just difficult to like, I, I think we're probably on the verge of an Aaron Rodgers season that looks a lot like 2018 and 2019, where he was great barely ever threw an interception, right? Like three interceptions, four interceptions, but only 25 or 26 passing touchdowns each season because you, I mean, that that's how good Devontae Adams is. Like Devontae Adams is just, is, is just a, a unique player to extract from that offense. I don't think that Lazard is that guy. I don't think he's Adams. Um, I will say that we have seen plenty of other examples in Green Bay, and you obviously know this over the years where in like in like a receiver's fourth year, fifth year with Aaron Rodgers, it like it all happens. It all comes together. That was that was somewhat true of Adams. It was definitely true of Jordy Nelson. It was true of James Jones. Like they would just pop at a point in their career when you would have expected them to already, you know, make it if they were going to. So I I don't think it's I don't think we're too late in Lazard's career for him to do something. He is six five. He's absolutely huge. At times they would almost use him like a tight end. Um, at other times they would throw him in the slot. That was great to see. Like you can play him anywhere. He doesn't separate like Devonte. He doesn't have hands like Devonte. But I, you know, I can he finish with a thousand yards in a seventeen-game season as Aaron Rodgers number one? Yeah, I think he can. He can probably give you nine or ten touchdowns too. Let's get to quarterbacks. Uh, there are a couple I want to talk about, um, but the first one I want to talk about is is Russell Wilson, who's going from Seattle uh, to Denver and was a reliable fantasy performer really until a year ago, and that, you know, he was injured a year ago, and he's getting old. So how concerned should I be about Russell Wilson in Denver when he's got Tim Patrick already out for the year, and, you know, he's got a new coach, and I don't, you know, I don't know whether Nathaniel Hackett is, like, a genius or if he was just riding coattails for Aaron Rodgers while, during his time in Green Bay. I, I really like this conversation. I'll, I might filibuster here a little bit. Um, my uh, One of my coworkers at, at Yahoo, Matt Harmon, who's great, um, the guy behind Reception Perception, he's wonderful. He he sort of asked a question the other day on a, on a podcast that I haven't really heard anybody give voice to yet, which was, what if, what if this is actually bad? Like, there's so much enthusiasm for Denver right now. 
But it is one of these places where like everything is new. Um, and that doesn't yep. always work out in the NFL. Like you want, you know, we, we always say it's like a continuity league. We, we like it when things are stable from year to year and there's a little tweak here and a little tweak there. Well, they've got a new quarterback. They've got a totally new coaching staff. They've got a new scheme system, all that. Jer- Jerry Judy is like theoretically good, but he's never been good in the NFL, right? Yeah, so that, he's, so, he's not a good player. So play. jury's still out on him. Um, Cortland Sutton was great pre-ACL injury. He wasn't great last year. Um, it seems like there's a lot of buzz about him in camp and, and there's a real connection with him and Russell Wilson. But, you know, maybe he's no better than he was last year and there's no like true number one receiver here. That's at least on the table. My my fantasy concern with Russell Wilson is he stopped running last year and he's certainly a good enough quarterback that, you know, Russell Wilson can still pass for 38 touchdowns and 4,400 yards. And that's a good fantasy year and all that. But but a big part of Russell Wilson's appeal in every previous season was he's probably going to run for 500 yards and like four or five, maybe six touchdowns. Right. And that that is a huge fantasy boost that takes you from being. Um, you know, even in a 30 plus touchdown season, you might not crack the top eight at the position. Well, if you throw in 500 rushing yards, you definitely will. You're going to be great. Um, well, that's why Josh Allen's the number one this year. Right? Yes. I mean, because Josh Allen rushed for like six touchdowns over 700 yards last year. That's why he's the clear number one. Um, yep. Russ last year, I don't think, I don't think he had a 40 yard rushing game. Um, and it like, it's not like he couldn't do it, but he's clearly at a stage in his career now where he's like, I, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to take off and run eight or 10 times a game anymore. That can't be me. Um, and if you take that out of anybody's fantasy profile, it's, it's really bad. Um, and it's, so he's outside the top eight for me. And I, I do think there's a there's a range of possibilities for that offense that we haven't really given voice to that we haven't really discussed enough because it might you know it's it's full of guys that we think are like hypothetically theoretically good who who haven't necessarily done it over a full season. And you have to also have to consider their division. It's the best division in football mm-hmm. by orders of magnitude. And you know so they you know someone's you know someone in the Broncos preview that I wrote. And it was like, yeah, we went from the worst team in the division to the third worst team in the division. So it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's fun. it has like a like an AL East vibe, right? It was just a total arms race. Like the the, the, yep. the teams in that division are just scooping up all the talented available players. Um, do you see any leaps being made fantasy wise by either Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance this season? I mean, with Lance, he can only go up, but he strikes me as an intensely boomer bust proposition. I do think, well, one of the nice things I'll say this first of all about quarterback in in most fantasy leagues, most fantasy leagues out there are not two quarterback leagues or super flex leagues where like right. there's always a guy like there's always going to be a guy available in your fantasy league. So you should take huge swings at quarterback in case they work out. Um, because if they don't work out, there's going to be some guy that you just find on waivers who throws for 4,200 yards and 29, 30 touchdowns, and you're fine. Um, That's Kirk. Yeah, in past years, that's always been Kirk Cousins, right? Like, there's there's always a Kirk Cousins type out there. So don't worry about taking a big swing here. Um, Lance is is probably the most interesting from that list because Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, like, the supporting cast is incredible. He started two games last year, and he rushed – 24 times in those games so like there's like Trey Lance could legitimately finish with 750 800 rushing yards six eight rushing touchdowns and then if a quarterback does that and they just play the full season you're 
it's really hard for them not to finish in the in the top five, right? You've got a you've got a top five quarterback on your hands. That's definitely in play for Trey Lance. It is a huge worry that he couldn't overcome Jimmy Garoppolo last year and injured Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like that's it's bad. He's he's your yeah. He's your top of draft selection, and they were like, no, nah, we're not going to play you. We're just gonna we're gonna keep rolling Jimmy out there. I, that is bad. Um, it might not be a clinic every time out, but again, it's not going to matter if they let him run a dozen times a game. Um, Justin Fields faces, I think, the most headwinds. I think he's super talented. I like I, I don't know. I think he's probably more talented than Trey Lance. I don't know if that's hot takey, but I like the the. That's not the the traits that he showed last year. The the touchdown run against San Francisco. Um, the second half that he had against Pittsburgh on Monday night. Um, he he didn't do it over a full season, but I I thought his best moments were probably better than any other member of the rookie quarterback class. But his offensive line is just it's just some dudes. It's going to be a bunch of late round rookies and other teams castoffs, and he's going to be chased all year. Um, I mean coach, that whole team blows. And then and then like every like team. every receiver you can think of where you're like, huh, I wonder if that guy's still in the league. He's a bear. Um, <laughs> Tajay Sharp, Dante Pettis, um, David Moore, uh, I'm Equinemia St. Brown, right? Like it's just the hits just keep coming. Every receiver you can think of, eh, is that guy still around? He's a bear or the bears yep. are trying to actively trade for him. Like it's wild. The receiving core is terrible. Byron Pringle. Um, they drafted uh, like their, the first pick that they threw at a wide receiver. It was a 25 year old, right? <laughs> Valus Jones. <laughs> like it's wild. Um, so the receiving core is going to be terrible outside of Darnell Mooney. So these are problems for Justin Fields. And then the last guy you asked about Lawrence, I'm really, I'm excited about it. Cause there's just a fucking theater of pain with urban Meyer last year. Right? Like yes, I, it was. I, I feel like we should give him a total mulligan on that. The other thing that, that um, I kept bringing up last season watching Jacksonville is I've never seen a team in like, you know, a couple decades of like pretty closely watching football. I don't think I've ever seen a team where it was so common for two receivers to arrive in the same place at the same time when the ball was thrown, right? Like the yep. like route, conce- route concepts that just put multiple guys in the same spot. I've never seen it. It was like an absolute shit show. Like even the best it's moments. It's genius. If one guy doesn't catch it, the other guy might. It's <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, everything's a tip drill. Um, yep. even, the, like, even the best highlights from Trevor Lawrence last year, there's another receiver in the frame who is like running the same route um, a few feet like, it's just wild. Um, just 300. So I think he can be really good. And Christian Kirk's a good player. Um, there's been a lot of chemistry with Evan Ingram in the, in preseason anyway. So I think that can be pretty good too. I don't, I don't trust, uh, I don't trust Evan Ingram for shit. Christian Kirk is all right though. That's okay. All right. Well then before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you, um, uh, two very basic questions that you're probably asked every time you go on any show. What rookies do you see having the biggest fantasy impact? Is it anybody outside of obvious guys like Brees Hall or anybody like that? Um, the Brees Hall is the most obvious, um, right? Because he's going to be something close to a full workload guy for the Jets. Maybe yes, that offensive of line isn't great, but he's he's going to be really good. Um, that a guy that you mentioned, a guy that we talked about at the at the very top, Damian Pierce, kind of weirdly has a chance to be a much better pro than he was. Not that he wasn't a good college player, but at Florida, they gave him the ball a hundred times a year. Like, so I guess the one thing you can say about him is he has not lost a lot of tread from the tires, right? Cause he's barely used at Florida. Um, he's well, he pre- had a dog shit coach at Florida too. So yeah. He's, he's pretty clearly that. the, he's pretty clearly their best running back. Like because the other backs are like Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead and like Damian Pierce is going to distinguish himself. He's looked great in the preseason. The, the buzziest guy I would say through camp 
um, and, and a guy who's just really vaulted in terms of you know early fantasy drafts. Like if we're if you're drafting a best ball months ago, this guy was like a, a final round play, and now all of a sudden he's like a tenth rounder, ninth rounder, eighth rounder. George Pickens is a great. Yeah, um, I knew you were gonna say George Pickens. Yeah, and this this is a guy who's got size. He was his freshman year at, at Georgia. He was phenomenal, and there were injuries and 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 personal issues along the way, right? Um, uh, he's barely played the last couple seasons. He's been an absolute star. Um, the, your your Twitter feed is full of George Pickens every day because beat reporters can't stop talking about him. Um, he was uh, he he just had a beautiful touchdown reception in the in the preseason opener. So Pickens has a real chance to be like. I, I feel like we should almost somebody. I, I'm not going to give proper credit here, but somebody tweeted uh, the other day something that I think is a very useful way for fantasy managers to look at it. Like, just pretend that George Pickens was that team's first round pick and Kenny Pickett was their second round pick, and and treat them that way in terms of draft capital because like Pickens is going to play. Also, the rudest thing I think I've ever seen a team do at the draft is sending Chase Claypool up to announce the pick of the guy who's going to replace him, right? Like, I that's right. loved it. Love that the Steelers did that. It's so cold. Well, that, I mean, that's just it. The, the Steelers are so good at developing wideouts oh. and not just developing them, but doing it quickly. Um, yeah, you know, it, that's hard to it's hard to discount that history when you when you see someone like Pickens. Yeah, th- this is uh, a guy. This is a guy with first round talent. The other the other rookie I would throw out there is actually Tyler Algier, um, who w- went to BYU. He's with Atlanta. There were there were two spots where we just thought a, a young running back could land and they could blow up just on opportunity. And one of them was Atlanta, and one was Houston. And so Algier. Uh, he was he was like a sixteen hundred yard guy last year. It, really hard to evaluate guys from BYU because the offensive line was great and the schedule was shit. So like, who knows how good they are? Um, but he he had some nice moments in the preseason as well. And the the starting running back there is a thirty one year old converted kick returner, right? So that's all he's got to beat out, uh, which shouldn't be impossible. Do you have any uh, sleeper picks that are not uh, you know sort of everyone else's sleeper picks and not rookies either? Oh, man, that really that really rolls it out. Um, I don't yeah. I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've got anybody who's like who, who no one else ever lands. I can I can tell you right because you could say like Juju, but like you know I think everyone's got is already pretty high on Juju. Yeah, every, everybody City. takes him. Um, the 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 ways that I have been finishing drafts, like I'll take a this is a rookie, so man, it doesn't count. But I've I've taken some flyers on Pierre Strong. Um, in part, I think because I love that he was a South Dakota State Jackrabbit. I believe he was um, like hy- hyper athletic uh, running back who lands in New England. And now, uh, obviously, James White retires after a, just a great career. Um, and Pierre Strong has a has a real chance to we need like, we probably need one guy to get hurt. We probably need Ramondre or Damian Harris to get hurt. If that happens, I think Strong has a has a pretty big role. So he's been one of those late flyers for me. I feel like a lot of people are on Khalil Herbert, but I've been taking a fair amount of him too. Um, because I, I, you know, new coaching staff, I don't know that the bears intend to turn David Montgomery into like a 350 touch guy. Right. I think it, I think this could be shared. And I think Khalil Herbert is a really good player. Uh, let's move on to the, uh, to the stupid stuff. We're going to remember a guy every week. We remember an athlete of your, and since it's fantasy football season coming up, uh, Andy, in honor of fantasy football, our guy of the week, it's Steve Slayton. Remember that guy, Andy? Houston <laughs> Texans, Steve Slayton. I do remember that guy. He was a, he was a good, like, man, I bet both 
both as a runner and as a receiver, we liked Steve yep. Slayton. Only really had a minute, and that was that was when we thought that team um, could just you know because they'd done it with Arian Foster. Like we tried to turn Ben Tate into a thing, and Steve Slayton. Yeah, was Ben Tate. A thing. Oh my fucking god! Holy Man, shit! We just really loved Texans running backs, and he was he was a like he was really good for a minute there. Um, I have fond memories. I feel like I won a league with Steve Slayton at some point. I remember I drafted him like his for his rookie year, and I was like, "Oh, you motherfuckers, you're in trouble now." And he was like, <laughs> "Okay, like, like the standard, like the standard, like fantasy player where he gets like a thousand yards and eight touchdowns, and you're like that piece of shit." Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a fun bag question. We got time for one fun bag question. It's from Lexa. Uh, he writes in, "Who are the most undercovered worst fans in sports? Not the Boston fans or Pittsburgh." Pittsburgh fans or SEC fans, the ones that fly under the radar. My votes, Syracuse men's basketball, Wisconsin, and every single team that has ever played in Missouri. Andy, do you have any sneaky, shitty fan bases that don't get enough run? I am I am trying to decide if I want to invite Yeah. I don't I don't like St. Louis fans. And they are, you know, for a Chicago guy, just like St. Louis fans. But it's, mm. but it's not that. Like I, you know, I, I, I've gone to Green Bay. I've been, you know, I've been at Lambeau, been treated well. I love the atmosphere there. I would, ne- I would never say a bad thing about Packersville. Like I have a simmering hostility when Packers fans and when, when the Bears are actually good. But I don't like they're good fans. I don't know that Cardinals fans are the greatest fans of all time. I don't know that they're the best no. fans I've ever seen. I've been I've, I've been to Bush a lot. I've been to Old Bush a lot, which was an just a hellish place, um, like an actual hellscape. Um, I don't I don't I don't know that I want to say I've you know I've I've been moderately abused at uh, at at Bush Stadium previously. I've heard some things in the crowd that I wish I didn't hear. Um, what did you hear? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I want to go that far with it, but I've you know heard some language okay. that I didn't necessarily want to want to hear um, in, yeah. in that stadium. Right. I'm not a not a huge fan. I mean, you know, maybe maybe that's the maybe that's the Missouri um, that's in, that's in the crowd, but I, I don't a little I'm, bit of Missouri. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a bit I'm not I'm not crazy about the Cardinals fans. Fair enough. Brandon Nixon, Chantel Holder are our producers. Nora Ritchie is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to me, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And of course, subscribe to Defector while you're at it. And go read Andy Barron's over at Yahoo prior to your fantasy season so that you can win your league and win big money. It's a guaranteed lock. Thanks for coming on, Andy. We'll see you again next year, man. Total pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. See you, brother.